diversity um, to me is intimately tied to visibility. I think often we live in worlds and spaces that are incredibly diverse and that always have been, um, but that we assume that they aren't because the people who contribute to this diversity do not have the proper visibility. They don't get seen as often as they should. Because um, sometimes I think about the way that we perceive our uh, modern society, especially in the West, and this idea that uh, multiculturalism is a new phenomenon. And that for me, um, with the studies that I'm interested in, art history and history, period, I find that this multicultural society that we have now has been around for a very long time, that it existed the moment the first person took a ship and crossed the Atlantic and went to many different places of the world and that this exchange has been ongoing. Um, I'm reading a book right now about um, the first Africans traveling to Europe and their experiences and what they saw there and what they encountered and their exchanges and the paintings that resulted from these visits. And this was in the 1400s, late 1300s. Uh, so these are not things that are undocumented. So this diversity was there and it was visible and it was left in paintings and in books, but we have a failure to actively pay attention to it. And I think that it colors the dynamics that we have with each other today. And I think it's massively unfortunate that even though the diversity is there and it exists and it's ongoing and even today, there are plethoras of people doing things that truly matter and that change the fabric of our society and our communities, change the fabric of entire cities. Um, I lived in Antwerp for a very long time. It's one of the most multicultural places in the world. It's a blend and mix of so many people and it's also a highly segregated city in the sense that there are neighborhoods for particular groups of people, unfortunately, but the the richness and the wealth of that city isn't because of solely the way that Antwerp is today. It's always been multicultural. It's always had multiple groups of ethnicities and cultures mixing together and living together. And all of that gets forgotten because the legacy of that is somehow systemically erased from our history books, from our consciousness. And we walk into the world, um, especially in the West, assuming that this wealth and this, this magnitude of comfort that we get to enjoy here is a product of the work of European descendants alone. And that is a fallacy. Um, I think diversity is powerful, that it's ongoing but that it needs more visibility, that we need to be made aware of historical contributions of black and brown people and the current contributions of black and brown people to the fabric of our society because a lot of things simply don't just happen without their contributions and that is meaningful. Um, and 
It brings me back to something that uh, Michaela Cole said. She's the creator of I May Destroy You. She's an amazing actor and um, screenwriter and director. And she said that if you if you don't see it, if you don't see it represented, then it could disappear and you will never know that it was there in the first place. Um, and I think that there is depth and meaning to that statement because that is very true. A lot of contributions and things that were done by black and brown people are simply forgotten. And then it feels as if it never happened at all, even though it did, and that it's been happening and it continues to happen in many places all over Europe and America and Australia and New Zealand, um, the places where people might have a desire for diversity and, and visibility of it as well. Um, female leadership is massively important to me. I think seeing female leaders is really important. I think it impacts um, our perception of the world and that it allows a lot of young women to imagine bigger things for themselves once you see it you can believe it you can dream it you can become whatever it is that you see in front of you uh, for instance for myself i think it has been really important to see the women in my own life accomplishing um great and significant things um, i'm in my masters right now um, both my sisters my older sisters have masters um, my younger sister also has a master and I do think that that's definitely been an extra motivation for me to seek that out for myself um, and to yeah to have that aspiration because the women in my life go and have master degrees so I felt that that was something I wanted to do as well not in the sense that I needed to copy them but more so that it felt more possible for me because I had already watched them do it and because they were able to support me in that process and give me tips and and you know a better path towards doing it for myself and I do think that's really important so having women that you can look up to in your own life is massively important and women in the larger world that are leading in their field and that are taking up space and having visibility is really important but i sometimes also think to which extent that um, really impacts the lives of women who do not have that privilege and power because um, i sometimes wonder for instance um, how having a woman be the CEO of a company actually impacts the rest of the women that work within that company. Um, for instance, the COO of Facebook is a woman, Sheryl Sandberg, and I'm sure she's amazing because she is in tech, which is a very difficult field to enter and to attain a leadership position in as a woman. It's an extremely misogynistic field. Um, it's very much male driven and so for her to attain that position is very impressive and I watched one of her TED talks and she spoke of how as women it's important to lean into your work and to seek opportunities for yourself and to not forego um, your career path or the things you desire for yourself within your career for children or for 
partnerships or for a life that hasn't happened yet. She was mentioning how sometimes women will dream of these relationships and these children and these other aspects of uh, of their lives and maybe not reach out for certain opportunities even if they don't have a husband yet, even if they don't have a child yet. And so that it is important to make decisions according to where you are now and the path that you desire for your career. And I'm paraphrasing her right now. And I understand what she's saying and I understand how that's that is important to make decisions according to your dreams and to your aspirations and not solely to um to stop yourself from doing things because it might become an inconvenience later once you have a baby or a marriage or many other things um, that come with being woman and things that you have to think about Um, and so I wonder as the CEO of Facebook if she has done things to adapt the culture of the company in and of itself so that women maybe would not feel as much concern and and anxiety about the future, about whether they'd be able to combine their careers with motherhood and partnership. Because I don't believe that men have to think about these things. I don't I don't think that's part of their narratives. I'm not sure. I'm not a man, so maybe this is me um, assuming things about men and their lives. Um, but I definitely wonder about that. To which extent does a woman being CEO or COO of a company impact the larger culture of that company and how women get treated in that space and and I think of that because I feel that sometimes we might forget the women that clean the offices and the women that are factory workers and the women that are cashiers and the women that are nurses and the women that do a plethora of other jobs that might be leadership positions but that are just as important and significant to the way our world is run and to it to the way it moves and allows it to function and if their rights and their needs are being met to the fullest and that even if a woman is the ceo of the company does that mean that that changes and that does that mean that things improve or is it simply um a representation for representation's sake Uh, because I do sometimes think of how people with privilege and power sometimes fail us and fail to use it to actually create incremental change for everyone else and so yeah I think female leadership is important but I also wonder if sometimes in order to become a leader in a certain position do women have to then change the way they think or the way that they move is there a necessity for you to now move the way a man would in order to be able to access that position in the first place i wonder about these things and i wonder if you know if the coo of facebook has uh demanded that for instance paternity leave becomes a mandatory uh thing at facebook so that you know there be an equal risk to hiring a woman 
than to hiring a man because that's one of the things that is most recurrent with women and their careers is that children stall careers right but if men who have children also have to take paternity leave and that the amount of time would be equal to that then a man who has a baby also has to stay home and take care of said baby and so then the idea of hiring a woman for a certain position might become less unappealing because well if you hired a man it's the same thing especially if the paternity leave is mandatory if it's obligated and not simply optional that you take two or three days but that it is three or four months to help your partner um recover and heal and that for lgbtq parents that it would be two paternity leaves or two maternity leaves um so yeah, I, I think about those things when I think of female leadership and how how women can make transformative change in a society where sometimes I get a sense that some of us have already internalized a lot of the misogyny and patriarchal mores that we are subdued to in our existence and in our lives as women. And because I also feel that in telling women to lean in, going back to the CEO of Facebook, I don't know if every woman has the space to do that. I'm sure there's women who are just busy trying to survive and feed their children and who are not thinking about leaning in. Um, And I also think of, you know, the time and the space that you have to even look at the CEO of Facebook's TED Talk and to hear such a message, all those things, it's just so um, layered. And I do think in its essence, I'm incredibly grateful for the, the women that I look up to in my own life and who've led a way for me to become who I am today. Um, or not even that, because I feel I'm still on a journey towards becoming, um, and that they are amazing, and that they've been leaders in my life. Um, I do think that that's where my focus is more bestowed upon, because I just think, I wonder if every COO of every company in the world was a woman would that really do much for the women who do not have that kind of power and privilege who also work for all those companies would the women at the top do things to create change and create better conditions or are we all in some ways conditioned to the society that we live in and this might sound very cynical and pessimistic but right now that is where I'm at when I think of this question and when I when I think of female leadership on one hand I'm grateful for the leaders in my life for my mothers for my aunties for my sisters and even for the small leaders for my little nieces and for looking at the world through their eyes and the sense of responsibility I feel that they might look up to me and have 
ideas of the world through watching me navigate it and that then it's my turn to set a certain example to to live my life the best I can so I can be aspirational to them and then I think of leaders in the larger sense and in in terms of visibility in the larger world and I wonder if that really does anything and I sometimes think that maybe the real power is in the everyday women the women in our own lives and how they help us and lead us and raise us towards becoming so I'm an art history major in my last year I'm in my master's and for my thesis I'm writing about appropriation and how artists like Picasso appropriated the work of African artists and the images of African masks that are used in divination in his own work. For instance, in Les Demoiselles d'Avignon, an incredibly famous painting where there's a little mask in the background of the painting and also the geometric shapes of the faces is very much inspired by masks and statues and other artifacts that were available on the art market um, around the time that he started making Cubist works of art um, and Cubism is very much inspired by that influx of African artifacts um, on the European market right around the beginning of the colonial era um, and that there was more accessibility to the African continent and everything that was being made there um, that, you know, in France and in Belgium and in, and in England there would be world fairs and people would come and see the things that were available from the colonies and the actions that were being done on cultural levels and intellectual levels and the new inventions that were being made and yeah so yeah there was so much influx African objects and African art entering those spaces and some of the greats of that time were very much inspired by it and you know a lot of African artifacts reside in European museums to this day uh, which is a shame and it's definitely a shame because it's still somehow laced in this idea that the work of African people is primitive um, and I don't like that word because it implies lesser than and that it's not as great um, and it's it's almost an oxymoron because how can it be not that great but then it can also inspire some of the best <laughs> work or at least work that is still seen as the best in the art historic canon in the west um, and yeah so I wanted to explore that and then even go further and look at how there might be a possibility today for art to amend history that art can be a means of possibly healing and correcting and restoring some things that have happened in our past that have been difficult and harmful and that sometimes remain unaddressed um, and yeah, art as a means of amending history. I got that from an artist, Afro-American artist, Titus Kapar. He has a great TED talk where he explains how today there's much debate about 
keeping certain statues and or removing certain statues of figures of the past who were perceived as great but who were simultaneously being very harmful to larger groups of people and in belgium that debate is going on as well um like there's many statues of leopold that have been defaced and he was a king of belgium but he was also a colonialist and he also has the blood of many many um congolese and rwandese and burundese people on his conscience and on his hands and so it's complex debate of deciding whether or not his image and his face should remain so prevalent and recurrent in our public spheres and deciding if a statue which is you know in in art a mechanism of honoring a figure or a person if it's appropriate to keep him on a pedestal and in our public spaces um and Titus Kapar argues that it's not necessarily that we sh- should have to keep him or remove him but that maybe something can be done with the statues that are already there and a way of transforming our perception of this man through engaging with the statues and engaging with the past and addressing the past through art and i thought that that was really inspired and a beautiful aspiration to have because i do think that one of the main issues in this discussion is that there's so often a desire to move towards healing before addressing the harm that was caused before there's been a discussion or even an attempt at apologizing there's this desire to then simply move on and the argument is that it happened so long ago but you know the independence of Congo was 60 years ago so what is a long time then you know because then you can argue there are people who are alive today who experienced the colonial era and all of its harm so how can you then state that we should simply move on and leave this unaddressed and it feels like an open wound and i feel that art can be a way of looking at these issues or even an opening towards discussing these things more openly and yeah so i also look at a lot of mainly afro-descendant artists of all over the world who are in and out of the diaspora who live on the continent who are um but yeah i center the work of afro-descendant people and how they also use appropriation and a lot of artists i've noticed a pattern of using techniques and using certain artistic streams within the european art historic canon and inserting the images of black people within that like for instance there's this one artist harmonia rosales she's afro cuban and she creates these paintings that are references to the work of michelangelo and other greats and she retakes their composition like for instance she made this painting called um the birth of man um where she reimagines god as a black woman and man as a black woman and they also touching fingers and it's incredibly beautiful and the composition is very easy to recognize and i think it's a way of placing black people and black bodies in in positions and spaces of importance and also of reinserting them into the art historic canon and reinserting them in a way where they have they have an allure and they have 
a significant position because it's also notable that during the colonial era and during the era of the transatlantic slave trade that there were paintings of black people in the European art historic canon, but it was usually in the position of servants or enslaved peoples. It was never as, or not as often as people on their own. And they were very much depicted as a means of presenting the wealth of the person who commissioned the painting. And so in these reimaginings, like for instance, in the work of Kehinde Wiley, where he paints these magnificent portraits of regular everyday black people in their regular clothes but gives them postures and poses and backgrounds that make it royal and regal and glorious i think that is incredible and so important and i think it is important for black people to see themselves that way to see images of ourselves as the focus as center point um and i also have a profound admiration for artists who take the time to look at the artifacts of our ancestors and to place elements and references of that in their work as well. Um, So yeah, I try with my own work to put an emphasis on the work that Black people do and the way that we have of reimagining culture, of combating erasure, historic erasure, our work with art and to discuss things that I find important, things that I find relevant right now, and to discuss them maybe as a possibility that one day there can be actual healing, but that we can't skip steps, you know? There there have to be things in between. We can't go from centuries of harm to, okay, the harm has stopped, so now we're fine. I don't believe it works that way. I definitely think that there is such thing as, you know, generational trauma. I definitely think that we do carry some of the hurt of our our ancestors within us and that for genuine and true healing to happen, these things need to be addressed and that yes, we can find so much beauty and glory in in our own tragedies and in the things that our people have experienced, but that yeah, the holding hands in Kumbaya is not going to happen tomorrow. So I try to find ways of doing some of that work in my own work, in my thesis, and by reading and researching and finding all the incredible creations that Black people are making today to re-emphasize and, and reshape the perceptions that there might be of African art or not even reshape, but to just possibly truly see them as they are and and, and value them to the fullest. Yes. And if there's one thing I'd like to leave your audience with, um, especially young women that are listening, do whatever you want, honestly. That's the the one thing I can say with my whole chest. Do what you want, whether it's your look or your interests or your work if you have the space if you have the freedom to do so and let's recognize the privilege that lives in that because so many people do not have the agency to make 
their own choices. So many women definitely do not have the agency to make the choices that they want to move through life how they please. So if you can, by all means, please do. Because evidently, this might sound so cliche, but yet somebody is always going to have something to say about you living your life how you want. Um, And it ranges, especially when I look at just the way women are dealt with online, which is such an interesting and scary, uh, almost parallel version of our real world and the way criticism just flies left and right for anything and everything you can be the most modest girl in the world if you have too much makeup on it's a problem if you are exhibiting your body or you feel uh, more comfortable with showing off more of your body then that people will find issue with that too so i really think if you can do whatever you like and just shine in whatever it means for you to shine because that's also really important to not get caught up in wanting to emulate something that is not in alignment with you and it took me a long time to fully understand what that meant because sometimes I think we can be surrounded by a culture that is moving in a particular direction and it can seem or feel open-minded to follow suit and go with that but if you don't feel safe or comfortable or in your body isn't a good place to be if you do said thing whatever it is then don't do it do what feels right and comfortable for you for the way you want to live for the way you want to be in your body and do whatever you want because it's this one life and there is an abundant well where we can be submerged in this abundance and there is plenty for all of us i know it does not feel that way a lot of the time especially now uh, with this panda bear still happening but um it's really important to just seek that freedom for yourself and free yourself from even your own criticism sometimes you know the way you might think well if i do this and that's what it means and da 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 and blah 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 but Maybe it just means it's fun. Maybe it just means it's what you like. And also, and this is massively important, it's okay if you change your mind. It's okay if you try the thing, whatever it is, and then a while later you're like, you know what, actually, how about no? I don't want to do that. I'm over it. It's not my vibe. That's completely fine too. But if you're young, feel like young and just youthless for trying trying different things and figuring out who you are through that and it's also okay to feel like this other thing is definitely not for me and i don't want to try it at all that's also fine yeah so three things do what you want don't go to the edge of your boundaries to figure out what that is and try things yeah try things Mm -hmm.